Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast produced by me, Fraser McGrewer, for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision-making. I'm here with Chris Ragg, Jordan Fermanis, and Nick Hare of Aleph Insights. And this week, we're discussing whether you can fall on purpose. Chris, uh, ever fallen on purpose? <laughs> well, n- no, but that's because I think you you can't. Um, ah. But, um, but yeah, no, the reason uh, this came up, basically this week, uh, or it could have been last week, but anyway, we ha- we, um, a colleague of ours uh, had to cancel a meeting because they weren't able to be in their house because um, they were having building work done. Okay. And, and so I sort of kind of flippantly wrote that uh, um, the meeting had been cancelled because their house had fallen down. They were having, having a wall knocked down, basically. And then and then th- this person sort of replied, uh, somebody then said, oh, my God, that sounds disastrous. And then they replied to say, don't, no, don't worry. Uh, it's just one wall and it's fallen down on purpose. Uh, you know, i.e. the builders have have knocked it down. And we then got into a little discussion about whether actually you could fall on purpose or whether falling is an accident. And I just had this sort of little moment where I stopped and I thought the word fall, Mm. you know, it's a simple set of four letters and yet it carries so much in, you know, when you hear the word fall, you think of all these different meanings, connotations, mm. uh, images in your head. And I thought it's just such a simple thing. And it, it was a sort of uh, a, a sort of revelatory moment for me about the the sort of power of natural language and what it what it unlocks in people and so on. And in the background, I'd had all this hype that's going on at the moment about chat GPT uh, and you know it's it's seemingly uncanny ability to generate you know um, uh, natural language that that feels very human and all those kinds of things and I thought oh what are we what are we giving away here what is the, you know what is this thing that we are um, we are potentially sort of gifting to to machines in in some way and what does chat GPT and all of these other large language models, what what does their performance in natural language tell us about what it is? Um, about what natural language is? Yes. Okay. Um, nice. So look, a couple of things as you were speaking. Um, first of all, as we were just discussing before recording, I don't really know what natural language is. Um, but a bit like... It's um, what you might call language. Yeah. But a bit like Neo in The Matrix. Um, I just looked at it for 60 seconds and I've got it all figured out. It's all downloaded, so don't worry about that. That's fine. I don't think that's um, the plot of The Matrix. <laughs> I don't no, think that's a thing that... You're thinking of Johnny Five in Short Circuit. No, I'm not. No, no, he's thinking about the fact that he... Does he learned, know how to fly he a helicopter learned, or he do Kung Fu? He Kung Fu in... in, in that's what oh, saying. yeah, it turns yeah. out I've forgotten the plot of The Matrix. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There, you go. there wasn't really much You've of You've lost the yeah. plot. Um, Nick. Often voted the funniest scene in uh, British sitcom history. Mm. Um, f- famously, uh, in Only Fools and Horses, there's there's a bit where um, Del Boy and Trigger are at the bar, and Del Boy's acting extremely cool because he's about to go and chat up a couple of ladies. I think they're in a wine bar, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, something yeah. like that. And um, and then Del, Del Boy uh, you know, leans over to rest on his elbow on the bar, 
and uh, but the barman has raised the top there, so mm. he just falls over, completely plank-like. Yes, uh, it's absolutely superb. Um, I would say that you would say that the actor David Jason, the character Del Boy, isn't falling on purpose, but the actor David Jason is falling on purpose, mm. and and I really can't see how you could have the first thing without the second thing. Um, so I, I think it's meaningful to talk of falling on purpose, but I will ac accept that it's, it's an unusual uh, or falling with purpose. Um, there is a just yes, which is of course how you fly, isn't it? In the um, yeah, what? Just one thing you said. You don't think one is possible without the other. Well, it's not possible for the for the for the character to fall accidentally without the actor falling deliberately. Correct. Well, it's also the case that uh, walking biomechanically is controlled it's just, falling. It's controlled falling. Uh, yeah. You you put your centre of gravity beyond yourself and then you catch yourself with your foot. Although I recently learned a new way to walk where one ah, doesn't do that. Right. Okay, hit us with it. Is it skipping? No, it's meditative walking. Okay. Okay. Where yeah. what you do this is very Fraser. It's 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 this is what I do on Monday mornings. Um, but this is was the first like time. yogic flying. Exactly the same. Right. Um, but the thing is, it's surprisingly mm. difficult because what one does is before you trap, before you put your foot out for your next step, you center yourself and you try and center your balance and shift your, yeah, Is gravity. it like a slow march? Um, mm, well, I don't know. But I mean, mm. but what it means is by the time you come to, there's that moment when you raise, and because you do it slowly, right, at first, when you raise the leg, you're shifting your balance, which means that you're not falling. And it's a very unusual experience. Yeah. I think it sounds similar. When, yeah. Whenever I feel slightly somber, I sometimes do a slow, a slow march. <laughs> And, do, you, uh, do you hum the, uh, the, the, uh, the Darth Vader yeah. march as you're yeah. doing it? That's right. Um, and uh, yeah, it's um, you, you have because you have to hover your foot above mm. above the ground before you step. You right. have to be completely it's exactly the same. Yeah, yeah. Um, but one thing. So I know we're getting diverted and lost. But one thing, interestingly, is in real life, one would never fall like Del Boy fell in that, and he was only able to fall like that because, as you say, well, he's an actor. Right? Yeah. Because yeah. he well, maintains his kind of plank-like position as he goes now, which one would you, you would never do no, in real life. No, I, I, but the um, so but the point is that words have rules which don't seem to be straightforwardly grammatical. Let's yep. put it that way. Yeah, yeah. So we're having a philosophical debate over whether you can fall over deliberately, mm -hmm. um, rather than a linguistic or grammatical debate, and mm -hmm. and that's mm. it, you know a, that's a particular view of language that we're taking which is that language reflects mm -hmm. thoughts, mm -hmm. but is not itself like the driver or the, the substance of thought, let's put it that way. Um, now in the, you might have heard of the, the Oxford uh, philosophers. I think it, I, I'm, I'm gonna say it was about the 50s or 60s when it was very prevalent, the idea that you could solve philosophical debates simply by looking at the rules of language. So we could say here, we would sit around and say, and say mm, well, you would say that David Jason has fallen over and you know, therefore, it is possible to fall on purpose um, rather than saying, well, it, but falling on purpose is actually a debate about some real world phenomenon. You, you treat it as though it was a, a debate about language. Anyway, I think these days it's widely, I think the, the prevailing view is that, yes, language um, expresses thoughts mm -hmm. and it does it quite closely. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about how closely in a minute. Mm -hmm. Um, but that it's not the same thing as thoughts, right? Yeah. So, so Stephen Pinker is, has written a lot of uh, stuff about this, about you know the relationship between thoughts and and words, and he's got an example which I think is quite good, um, which he, he's, he says that you can give me a biscuit, correct? Correct. Go on then. 
I've got no biscuits yeah, to give you. I've got any biscuits. But, yeah. but, um, but, and you can give a biscuit to me, right? If In I fact, you one. think of them as the same. Now, you can also give, give me a headache, right? Mm. But you can't give a headache to me. So now that's right. So words wise, well, the words, you'd say they're pretty similar, right? It's like they're both kind of just nouns. And, and if you can give me a headache and you can give me a biscuit, you'd think that the, the opposite, that the, the other thing was true. You can give a biscuit to me, you can give a headache to me. But he says the point is that that particular example reflects a difference in a, a sort of metaphysical claim about those things, yeah. which is that um, if you give me a biscuit, then you uh, cause me to have a biscuit. Yeah. But if you give a biscuit to me, then you physically move a biscuit from you to me. And he says they're different. They're just different claims, which is why you can have. Give me the two sentences again. Uh, give me a biscuit mm -hmm. and give a biscuit to me. Mm -hmm. Right. So he just says that they're different claims. They 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 might be reflected in. You know, we might think of them as the same situation, mm. but that's not a fact about language. That's mm. a fact about how biscuits work. Mm. And headaches don't work that way. Yeah. You can't take your headache and give it to me. So that's anyway. I think I think that's pretty persuasive. It's nicely. That seems pretty. Yeah, wrapped yeah. up nicely. So, in that, so what it? we're yeah. saying is that actually, when we're thinking about the way that words work, it feels like we're having a debate about sort of grammar or something. But really, we're actually having a debate about something to do with the yeah. real world and causation and the laws of nature. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, my so. But just while we're on the topic of falling over, yeah. my, my daughter, when she was little, she first she she came up with this phrase, which was "You're falling me over," mm. which I is was really adorable. Um, but it's it I I sort of that was interesting for me because that causes you to say, "Well, why can't you fall somebody over?" Um, because I know perfectly well what she means. You and kept tripping her up, up <laughs> didn't you? <That's> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I kept, I kept, uh, kept falling her over to teach her <laughs> a lesson. No, and and it's because you know you've got to drill into how falling works. And the answer is, falling has to be something that gravity does to you. Well, I mean, I'm putting this forward as a theory, but I think falling has to be gravity related. Yeah. If it's not gravity that's doing the work, that's causing the downward motion mm. if it's me then it's no longer forming mm. right well there's a moment mm. of potential decision or you, not because you, you can make a decision to let gravity take over or you can not make a decision and and something uh, something else happens which means you're not involved uh, in the decision making okay, process but, but let's let's say but gravity does the falling but the, mm. yes but the correct way to put that would be i pushed her and she fell over yes right? yes so so the thing is but, but but i can't fall her over because fall the falling bit that yeah. has to be done by gravity Right. So I so you can push something now. But the odd thing is, like, we couldn't, in the case of David Jason, say he pushed himself over, mm. even though actually that's probably the best way to describe what happened. Mm. Um, but because uh, you, pushing is I think our model of pushing is is one entity acting on another entity. Mm. Anyway, so there we are. That's another example mm. just on the topic of falling of, of how actually what looks like a debate about language. Oh, no, you're using that word wrongly is actually you're using the concept wrongly. Gotcha. Right. Well, there we go. That's a nice foundation uh, for, our, for, our, for, our, for our discussion. Um, so let's move it on to where we want to talk about and how this relates to, uh, was it machine language or what was it to do, GMT? Well, I don't Large know. language. Are you the models. last person yeah. in the world who doesn't know what chat GPT is? Pretty much, probably, yeah. Right. Yeah, I kind of know what it is, but I kind of don't. Well, you, um, you're in trouble because I think we are going to uh, pretty soon be able to replace you 
with chat GPT. I'm <laughs> not, not surprised, to be honest. Yeah. I'm surprised it's taking this long. Yeah. We didn't have to get that technology advanced. Yeah. Come in, Jordan, what have you got? Um, I was, <clears throat> it's sort of related to what was, we were talking about, but I was, I was reading this paper on how um, on plantations in the American South, um, slaves used to sing songs that had encoded within them um, they were like linguistic codes, basically. So, mm -hmm. like, um, they provided directions along the Underground Railroad, or um, they were calls to rebellion, or they used common metaphors. Um, so, like, the River Jordan was actually like a substitute for the Ohio mm -hmm. Mississippi River, things like that. But obviously, like, the slave masters or other people weren't aware of these mm -hmm. um, these codes. Mm -hmm. And so, I was also kind of thinking about how within language we th there's so much like context um that if you don't know about that something that just seems um uh, like a really facile or sort of easy to understand state but you miss the the true meaning of it mm -hmm. um and i think it's kind of it, it, it's sort of one of the things that interests me about chat gpt is that or, or these large language models is i feel like that sort of essence of language it, it kind of can't grasp like those sort of those ways mm. that humans use language that might not be they're, they're very sophisticated and they require a lot of like you need to be in sort of an in-group perhaps to understand what these messages are um it seems to me that the way these models are trained it's difficult to impart them with that kind of knowledge so that being the case and help forgive me but help me out guys so um um, could that so so what sort of the enslaved people were doing there um, would that still be classified as natural language because it's a construction within it and does it become a constructed language it ceases to be just natural is that about it um, but also so you're nodding Jordan so that's good well it's a human language like they're speaking in a human language English yeah well yeah but I mean and, and apologies because yeah I, I don't really understand this whole thing about natural language and stuff but to me it suggests something just occurs naturally rather than rather than designing a secret language or something like that, which sounds more constructed. Anyway, maybe may or may not be relevant, but also, help me out, uh, what's chat thing called? Was it called chat? Chat, chat GPT. GPT. So Jordan, can you define that for me and, and also bring that in a little bit of, of how that's relevant for what we're talking about here? <laughs> okay, it's a large language model that was developed by OpenAI. What um, does large language model mean? It's a, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a model, a statistical model that generates language and it's large because it uses it uses a lot, a lot of data yeah. well yeah. It, yeah. yeah well actually i mean specifically it's got a lot of parameters yeah. which which yeah. it uses to make its predictions yeah. so what it what it is is a predict it predicts what word is well actually it's technically token um so what chunk of language which you can think of as a word yeah uh, is going to appear next yeah. given some foregoing piece of text yeah um so you can uh, so I'll give you an example because I did a bit of uh, using it to try and to try and sort of work out um, you know what it was good or bad at. <clears throat> Has anyone else got an example of a kind of good interaction? Because I've got some. Uh, well, I, so I um, I recently for uh, some uh, we were working on a project looking at um, uh, the future cyber threats related to space technologies, mm. right? And for a bit of a laugh, I. Um, I typed in, you know, write, write me some analysis related to um, cyber threats related to CubeSats, which are small satellite, you know, tiny satellites that go out into space. And it wrote this highly 
It was a short piece, but it, it was it was highly um, credible. Uh, Peter described it as a bit of an A level essay. Mm. You know that it was sort of uh, that, but but a bit of a was, synthesis and yeah yeah, and, 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 but it was it was definitely uh, credible. What it's the things it came up with. You know, and this is quite a niche topic. It's not like a, a, a well uh, well researched topic, and um, the things it came up with were you know, the right kinds of things. It was written entirely, um, you could not discern that it had not been written by a person. There was nothing in there that, that wasn't, and it was re it was pretty well crafted, to be honest. So um, so I, I don't have the specifics of, of what that statement was, but it was quite, you know, it's, I don't know, three paragraphs or yeah, something. Yeah, but, but, it's, um, it's, uh, but <clears throat> the thing is, it, okay, so I don't want to go on and on about ChatGPT. Exactly. Everyone else in the world has written tons about ChatGPT, exactly. and it's out there and you can give it a go. But it is worth just getting over what it has done so that people understand what it doesn't do, because that's what we want to get on to, I think. <laughs> so, but it is only trained on text, right? And the key thing to know is that it, um, so, so when it's generating language, all it's doing is, well, all it's doing, I mean, what it's doing is, is, is out of all the w words that might come next, it's assigning a probability to them based mm. on it having effectively ingested all of the text that's been written on the Internet ever, more or less. Yeah. Right. Um, so it's looking at millions, we think that they won't tell us, despite them being called open AI, they don't actually tell you how it works. But it's probably looking at millions of features of text which might be something like, well, is the previous word the, but it's also potentially the percentage of X's in the last 200 characters or, you know, sub, any feature, anything you you might look at uh, in, in some text, it will have learned what helps it make the most accurate predictions about what comes next. And that's what it uses to generate text, right? So, so the point is, it is able to simulate the real world creation of text, right? But what it doesn't have, almost certainly doesn't have, is anything resembling a model of the world, mm. right? Now, there's, there's, um, this is controversial, and we probably want to unpick it a bit, but the the, the point is that it, it doesn't, um, it, it isn't thinking about the things it's talking about, right? Mm. Uh, but it is still able to represent very realistic and complex sentences about the real world and they're completely con contextually justified so it so it really does resemble the text that is being produced by someone who is thinking about the world but it but it is still a simulator it's a simulator for text we're, creation we're getting very close to a lot of stuff here right um so two things so effect effectively what we're talking about is um uh, what's that test of AI? Turing yeah. test. There you go. Oh, it's sailed getting, through that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but we're getting to that. We're in that kind of area. But also, I feel like we've we've defined our terms here, right? We've def we've talked about natural language. We've talked about ChatGPT. Um, what is the question we want to ask? And also, you're getting close to it there, um, Chris. Well, I don't know if I've got an, uh, uh, an answer to the question about what, what our is question, question is. Yeah. Uh, but I think I've got something that might sort of shift us in 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 that direction, um, which picks up a little bit on Jordan's point mm. um, about you know that and 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 the discussion we've had so far that you know um, about what language uh, the context around particular words um, 
what occurs in the human brain when that when you receive a word mm -hmm. what it unlocks within your brain mm -hmm. and whether that same process can occur within a language model when mm. it receives a word mm. does you know is the same kind of thing happening um, and um, I'm, I just want to posit a, 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 I'm going to ask you a, all a question the same question um, if you definitely know the answer to it just just um, just park uh, park your answer but um, uh, d um, does anybody know what the word krungus means Krungus. No. <laughs> right. Okay. I want you to think about the word krungus, and and tell me what you think it means. Just t take a little time to think about. The well, word it's krungus. definitely. It's hang like, on. Hang on. Uh, everybody, okay. have a little little think. Well, right. I get your own. Get think. your own fixed idea. You need to think. It's very clear what it means. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, go, go on then, I'll John. John, you go. You you. Uh, you go. Uh, like a. Uh, what do you call like almost like a, a tumor or something like a, okay. yeah yeah like a growth a growth or something okay. yeah. yeah yeah I mean I feel like it's a noun yeah. um, and that it is something is something sort of slightly unusual bit mm, a bit um, distasteful something about it that's a bit ugh. Um, and I can imagine it living in some jungle somewhere or it's a some kind of animal or sort of okay. monstrous type animal okay yeah I think it's actually a, a sort of flaky residue. Mm, on okay. on top of something unpleasant. Mm. Yeah. So you might talk about the krungus that had appeared on, uh, mm. you know, on a on a rotten uh, yeah. banana or something. Mm. Right. Well, here's here's the thing. This is very very interesting, by the way, um, <laughs> because um, uh, krungus, the word, was effectively invented by a Twitch streamer and voice actor, uh, Guy Kelly. And the reason it became famous, so he, he made the word up out of nowhere, although there are a few little traces of it in a to totally different context, but, but it's a, effectively an invented word. Mm. And he typed it into Dali, the, um, the image generator, mm. um, and it came up with a... Um, a sort of hominid, uh, an orc-type wow. creature. Um, uh, you know, this this twisted, ugly thing. So it's ob obviously, an, uh, you know, you all had negative connotations. Mm. Um, and he was like, where, where did that, does anybody know where that, and it created this sort of discovery, people, lots of people putting Krungus into this, this uh, image generation thing. And he was like, have I, have I discovered a, you know, a secret, cryptid like the the yeti so <laughs> effectively of all of us the one who is most like uh artificial intelligence is is uh is is fraser really yeah. from from that point of view but the point is what it sort of illustrates is this idea a weird idea of imagination on the part of a a model receiving language mm. and creating something based on on what and it's because these things are so opaque even even if people published exactly how they worked they would still be opaque because of their massive complexity um it's been very difficult to you know people have looked for traces where might this have come from and it's it's essentially a mystery as to how well uh, the, the i don't think it's that mysterious <laughs> if you think about um certain sounds within uh english let's say this cr sound okay if we think of this crust un and crunchy sound, and fungus um and, yeah. it, it all starts to feel you know and also those sort of like i said i think i think we all described it as a noun as well yeah and nouns tend to behave in that kind of way as well 
And um, yeah, yeah, but you're. I mean, as a human, it's not difficult to work that. That's, that's the point, the, no, right? The, so we can we we can explain it, right? Yeah. But but we're explaining it in in very human, yeah, yeah, creative terms. But, but those terms. are features of the word, right? So yeah. the point is that it, I don't know how Dali works, but if it's based on something like phonemes, so if it's looking at components of a word, which it might well be, then um, you know, because whatever features it's learned when it it's it's predicting what image will be associated with some text uh what what however whatever features of the text it looks at it might well have well actually fungus is quite close to some other stuff you know crust is close to some other things you've got things like krampus you've got similar looking words it might well have just picked up on that stuff yeah plus um, plus the fact of the similarity suggests the the explanation and the truth in it so do, do you see what I mean? In as much yes, yeah. but what but but what I think it illustrates is that when we go, oh, you know, imagination, that's an entirely human endeavor, right? right? right. We're just doing those same things. You know, you you talked about something that was like fungus. You know, you all had negative connotations. Why did you come up with those things? Traditionally, we would have said, well, that's our imagination, right? It's it's sort of intangible and nice. we can't really look at it but actually it was just what that well, thing I don't, I, don't th I think it's misleading to describe mm. it as imagination it, well you're it saying is, the same thing that's i mean that's what Chris no, no, is saying no, really no, but, but, but what i'm what i'm saying is it, to dis say that dali has imagination is not completely correct i don't or at least i think it's contentious i think we're falling down the issues of what words mean again here no, by right the way. right but right. no this is totally related so the point yeah it is but the thing is that what because we are able to um or we're able to sort of encode and capture the relationship of a word in this case to a picture mm. but in the case of gpt3 uh of a word to other words mm. the the fact that those words are highly connected mm. right therefore when you have concepts that are connected they're mm. going to be reflected in similar words let's go that far uh a statistical word generator like GPT three will come up with those sorts of connections, right? But yeah. but but the difference is that you have in your mind the sense of a thing that yeah. it represents, and what I'm saying is that th that sense of a thing and all your other thoughts are expressible in language. Yeah. But merely being able to construct convincing language does not tell you that the existence of those thoughts, right? Now it turns out that the structure of language, as, for all the reasons we've been discussing. Is, turns out to be much more closely tied to the structure of thought than I think a lot of people realise. Mm. So that you can make a very convincing thought simulator um, with a language simulator, right? But but let's not, don't, we shouldn't make the leap to say that just because you get the convincing language, there must therefore be a thought behind it, even no, though that's how I, we I, do I, it. Mm. Let me give you some mm. examples from yeah, GPT-3. Right. So I'm I'm going to ask you the answer. I made this up totally. I didn't want to rely on one of the stock examples because I would. Because I, for example, there's um, uh, this the, the two shapes which are called boobar and uh, and kiki, and you show people like a wobbly shape and a pointy shape, and it, almost everyone in the world, no matter what language they speak, says that kiki is the spike, spiky one. Okay. Right. So I so I had to invent my own example, and it goes like this: you anyone can answer. So Roger floofed a zambo last week. But because his zingle didn't bong, he couldn't floof a Zambo this week. So can you explain what effect the zingle has on Roger's ability to floof Zambos? <laughs> 
I, I can't remember which way around. Right. The but the point is, you, you can say that his single needs to bomb in order for him to flew for Zambo, right? Based on the information you've got. I can tell you now that ChatGPT has not got a clue what I'm talking about. And it said I, there are no, it doesn't know what Fluva, Zambo, Zingle or Bong means and cannot provide a meaningful response. I see where you're going with this. Right. We probably can. Yeah. yeah. We, 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 right. So we, we can answer that question, yeah, yeah. ChatGPT, because it doesn't know what those words mean. Yeah, yeah. Right. And then, and then I also, just to sort of I'm surprised, like, actually, but demonstrate that it doesn't have a model of the world, which a lot of people mistakenly think it must have, but it doesn't. I, I've got so I, I said to it I've got a pile of books about the colours of the rainbow I've put them in order according to their position in the spectrum red, orange, yellow, green, blue etc then I rearranged them so that they're in alphabetical order can you tell me which books change position now um, wow. the point is you could work that out yeah. because you're thinking of a pile of books yeah, yeah. but ChatGPT is flummoxed and says the books that change position when you rearrange them uh, are indigo and violet in the order of the spectrum indigo comes before violet but in alphabetical order violet comes before indigo Indigo, total bollocks, Gets and uh, and and it thinks the other colours don't move, and, and that's complete uh, balls. In fact, the only one that doesn't move, <laughs> I think, is um, actually they all move. So so um, so yeah, and it and I tried to play nim with it, which requires remembering how many matchsticks are in each pile. And, and the point is that you know it's really really good at, at generating language, but it's very clear there is not some idea about what that language is about. Now a lot of um, people will say. Okay, the Turing test, the point of the Turing test is to get rid of debates about what does intelligence really mean and to, and to just say, well, it's, if it passes this, let's just agree to call that intelligent. But I, I that it, and that obviously is really useful. It, it gets the, the kind of philosoph philosophical debate out of this debate about <coughs> whether machines can think. Um, but I, I don't accept that they're the same thing, right? Mm. And, and I'm not being a reactionary because I'm massively pro-AI, as you know. Um, but but the point is that I think people who say, look, if it behaves exactly like a person producing text, then it must be we, we should say that it's the same as a person generating mm -hmm. text. That is simply not valid. Massively agree with what Nick's saying. Um, and I think for the reason that I just I don't the way that we learn how to speak is just totally different from the way these models learn how to generate language. It's mm. just like, it's just not the same thing. So like the outputs are uh, as well, not gonna be the same. Like I was reading an article that um, Noam Chomsky wrote mm -hmm. about ChatGPT and he compared like a child learning language to the way that this, these models learn language. And he mm. was just saying, you know, like a child learns how to speak with minimal exposure to words. Like it might learn a couple of words that, day or week or whatever when it's very young but it's still it, it's 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 using them in a in a in the way that we use them as humans and it's communicating with its parents and it's kind of formulating an idea about the way the world works whereas these models have all the data they they have a huge amount of words but they're very explicit in the way they use them it's very they they order things very grammatically it's very it's got no kind of concept of of, of what's going on around them or the relationships that, that how to communicate with people or anything like that. It's just, it's just purely like a, a statistical model. Yeah. I mean, before you come in, it just, cause there's, yeah, there's a, I think this is fascinating by the way. Um, and it goes to the very heart of what it, it means to be human. Right. But, um, 
there's a reason why language exists, maybe you could say, which is to, in, in, to help interpret and communicate mm. the world experience that we have. And so it's really difficult, I think we're saying, to replicate that in something that doesn't move around in the world. Um, Chris? Yeah, so uh, just a, a couple of things, really. What, one is, um, while I think it's not thinking in the same way as a human, I think some of the things that we do, which we um, ascribe as being um, uniquely human in some way around the use of language, you know, after all, language is one of the things that people talk about discerning humans from other, mm -hmm. other animals. Um, but it does, some of those processes, so like, for example, an author writing, they're, they're writing and they're thinking about the next word coming. Mm. And when they get the right word, mm. right, that, that process of, of being an author and being a good author, when they get the right word and it feels right and they imagine that that is somehow part of a creative, a creative, uniquely human process. It's like the writing process is, is you know, um, it is sort of viewed as being an organic process that, you know, and actually that sense of what the right word is coming next is exactly what these these models are doing. And are um, uh, we just we just don't know how we're doing it. We, we do it sort of intuitively, but we're obviously latching on to the same kinds of things. So I, I think there are... Yeah, but we're not just looking at the features of the foregoing text. That's the difference. We're exactly. thinking about the thing in our head. Writing isn't just writing. Which the text and, is yeah. meant to be representing. Well, <clears throat> yes. So we've got an image of, of, of the thing. But in terms of that search for what is the right feeling word here for the context of what is going on... That I think yeah. is 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 what they're what they're doing. So so I just wonder whether in 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 something effectively bit by bit this is this is kind of creep into genuine intelligence as far as I'm concerned. Because yes, it's not doing all this stuff over here, but it started doing this stuff. And I you know it, these things that we we see as bastions that are unassailable. Mm. You know I think it, it just it just illustrates that actually bit by bit, creep by creep, you know, at some point, um, perhaps it is all uh, achievable. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I think I think if we have, if think ahead to having mm. a, a, a thing like ChatGPT, but instead of being trained on text, it's trained on the world, um, which obviously includes text, then I think it's much easier to imagine, you know, the, its internal model being something much more like what we have when we're generating words, you know, of, of being actually representing some actual real world things um, and the features of those things, I, I, yeah. something like I that I, would be I, us. Would I, that I, would be I, very, very similar to I suppose to my thing. position is you've got, you've, got, you've got linguistic determinism at one end, which, which you know, the, this Orwellian idea of, of language is thought, right, yeah. which we've decided not, not the case. Yeah. Then you've got the other extreme, which is that language is inessential to thought, you know, and, and sort of pinkers, mentalese, yeah. and, and that sort of stuff. And then something in between, which is that, well, you know, actually, or I suppose linguistic relativity, you, you know, stronger or weaker, to some extent, it, it, language is determinant of, of, of thought, and so, while this thing might not be thinking, giving away language is 
one really important component of thinking. So, mm. but, uh, Jordan, and um, yeah, sorry, go for it. Yeah, just, but the other thing is that this is all just text. And another thing about language is it's spoken as well. It's not just so. Like, I think for for these models to be really good, mm. I mean, they probably need some audio, video, like they'd need more tone. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, like mm. how this sentence is spoken, not just the construction of the sentence in terms of what word goes mm. next, but mm. like. Sarcasm, nuanced, irony, yeah. you know, these like these language techniques that we use all the time. Like that would that would probably mm. impress people a lot more if it if it seemed if it was trained on that kind of data and could understand those because things. Because when I, we read, we know mm. it's reflective of spoken language and we carry all of that. Yeah, um, I think that's yeah. coming. Um right. So we're gonna we're gonna stop there. Um I've got a question in a moment. Um yeah, I don't know if we've come to a, a full conclusion there, but I think we've given it a rigorous going over. I do want actually. I did have a couple of things. If we've got a minute, or yeah, two, go for or it. Go, go, on, go on. It's just about this, you know, uh, how to think about ChatGPT and not be sort of. I don't want to say deceived, but not draw the wrong conclusions. Is I would liken it like to a map simulator, yeah. and you can imagine feeding a simulator a load of uh, OS maps, and it would be able to draw really convincing maps. It would go, well, when you've got this many contour lines together, often you'll end up with a little circle near there because that's a, you know a top of a mountain, but it might not know that. Or you know, you've got roads don't just stop randomly, and you know when roads meet, there's often a roundabout, and you can imagine it being able to generate really convincing maps. Um, but would you say that it understands geography? Like, does it know what a road is? I mean, I mean, the point is, it it doesn't. It you it, it, and it just doesn't. And I'm not going to accept anyone claiming that because it's really good at generating maps. It knows about the world. Um, mm. Impressive though it might be, right? And that's all. The, but the other thing is the, this idea that you know, oh, we'll look at ChatGPT. Wow, we're very close to a general artificial intelligence. To me, that it might be. Imagine you've got someone who's a really good sculptor. And they're getting more and more realistic. And the last sculpture was indistinguishable from a real human being, right? Someone like Ron Merck or something, you know, one of his one of his sculptures, which are really hyper realistic. Mm. Is is he only, you know, uh, is he only is he very close to creating a living human being as a result of being able to produce these increasingly convincing sculptures? I, I would say no. I would say he's closer, though. But we, but we, but he's he's still a long way away. We can't look mm. at the sculpture and and decide how how near or far we are from creating the living human being. That's what I'm saying. Um, so there we are. Anyway, I will stop there because I, I, I also acknowledge that there's a lot of people who don't think that, who think that I'm talking rubbish and I'm being overly metaphysical. And I think I'm being very hard-nosed about this. Yeah. And I'm I'll be the last person to join in the whole. Oh, AIs aren't really intelligent. You know, but I think you, we shouldn't just do away with these yeah, sorts yeah, yeah. of distinctions. There is a difference. But also, uh, this feels so close to so many things. Like, yeah. so for example, I'm thinking about what you were saying, but it's closer, and always getting closer. Which you know, you know that thing of approaching, but always <laughs> eternally approaching, but never getting there, which sort of ties into sophistry and. Um, you know, I, I, but I also think with the the Big Bang and how we're always finding out more, it just it's, it is very mm. Alephi, right? Literally, mm. in what I'm saying, yeah, Chris. Um, well, I was just going to say, I I think it's a significant step, though. That's 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 the point. I think, like you know, creating a a 
sort of perfect depiction of something from the outside so that it would represent so that you could physically represent that thing when it you know that would be a significant step and i think i think cracking the ability to generate language is a significant step but it also i wonder if we're always just still given technological developments are we still asking the same question essentially which is you know do um androids dream of electric sheep uh, it, it's still that that we're talking about i think and st i don't feel that we're any further along no. than we were 40 years ago let's say anyway anyway got a question um it's pretty deep this best or worst fall you've ever had or seen uh yeah okay so i i think my my best fall i was probably about nine i think uh and uh me and my mate phil were on his bike he was giving me a backy on his mm -hmm. on his bike and uh, we were riding through these trees and he just sort of completely lost control of the bike. Mm. Uh, and we were, it was a bit like um, in Star Wars, the speeder bike scene on, on Endor, you wow. know, in Return yeah. of the Jedi. It was, it, was, it was, we were kind of heading towards our doom, but also giggling at the same time because it was, uh, so, so it's just a, a quintessential childhood moment in my in my memory, mm. falling off this this I bike. Mean, a wonderful um, moment, but more for you than him. Of course, he ended up in hospital. <laughs> that's right. Broke his yeah. legs, and yeah. you know, but you were fine. Um, so yeah, he, he cushioned uh, your fall. Yeah. He did. Nice yeah, yeah, yeah. Before yeah. the days of airbags, yeah. we had uh, uh, children. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Jordan. Yeah, I did. I remember when I was in India, and we were going out for dinner one night, and we had I was on a motorbike, pulled up into the with the restaurant. And I was walking towards it, and there was like a few planks over some ground, and I was like, "Okay, I can just walk over those." And I w stepped onto one, and I just went straight down, <laughs> waist deep into a pile of cow dung. <laughs> uh, and I was like, uh, "What?" Do I? And sort of climbed up, and I was just, yeah, just had to go and have a shower or swim in the ocean or something just to get it off. But yeah, it was a bad fall quite good from our point of view right? <laughs> yeah. you know comedic fall yeah, yeah. Think that, observed, was, yeah. that was brilliant yeah. Uh, yeah it caused a lot of laughs for whoever was around yeah. yeah yeah um okay mine uh well look um i'll start off with the bad ones uh yeah loads um for, I mean, look at my arms right and i'm covered in scars and i've got all sorts of metal inside when i was in an accident and got knocked off a bike that was definitely a falling moment yeah. And a great, a good fall was, I remember being about eight, nine years old and jumping across a ditch, which classically these days is now Sainsbury's, that area, jumping across a ditch and like, whoa, falling back. And my brother, my big brother reached out and grabbed me Aww. and pulled me back. And I still remember yeah. that moment. So, nice. yeah. Nick. Yeah, well, my, my worst one involves someone else, specifically my son. Mm. Um, when it, up until he was about five. Uh, at his bedtime, I used to fly him upstairs, mm. which meant that I would pick him up and uh, hold him horizontally and run upstairs with him and throw him onto the bed, which he obviously loved. And then one day, he, when he was getting a bit big, I tripped on the, <laughs> one of the stairs and smashed his face right into the floor. And the poor little guy was unable to, he didn't even have control of his hands, so he couldn't do anything about it. Did you fall him over? I, I literally <laughs> fell, him, fell over. him over. I fell him over. So yes, no, I, I, I still feel really bad about that. And so but, you uh, So sorry, sorry, Tom. But did you continue? No, that no, was right, pretty much right, close to the end, the of, end of, of flying him upstairs, I'm afraid. Very good. All right, well, we've, covered a lot of ground there um thank you 
as always, for listening to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast. I'm Fraser McGrew. We've been here with Jordan Fermanis, Nick Hare, and Chris Ragg of Aleph Insights. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you.